Hello and welcome to the Practice Drill Podcast, episode 16. Once again, we're back with a huge episode. We're talking about the NRL finals and previewing the start of what is shaping out to be one of the most exciting final series we've seen in a while with so many contenders. Then we move on to analyzing the second round of the AFL finals and a little glimpse into uh, analyzing the prelims coming up this weekend. Then we talk about the disappointing final installment of the Bladderslow series for 2021. And then we finish off with a little bit of NBAs. We talk about the Ben Simmons dilemma as that starts escalating with uh, some news coming out of the States. But shout out to Sencho again. Killer intro. We're loving it, mate. Appreciate it. And as always, I'm joined by Blaze McKay, mate. What a big episode we got ahead of us. Yeah, really excited for this one. Obviously, a wide range of sport. Yeah, we're not doubling up this week. We thought about it, but uh, yeah, just get one of everything. All the fans can enjoy all the different sports, I guess. But, mate, what did you enjoy over the past week? Plenty of sport over the weekend. Yeah, plenty of sport. I actually went over to France for a bit this weekend, watched the top 14 opening round. Just started over there, so had to get my rugby fix in and, yeah, went over to the French domestic comp. <laughs> nice. But anyway, guys, if you'd like to be up to date on all sports and the sports that we cover, I'll list them right now. NRL, AFL, Rugby Union, Cricket and NBA Basketball. Go and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at T underscore Practice Drill. We're keeping up to date on all the biggest news out of those sports. But, Blaze, let's get straight into it. And we're starting off with the NRL finals and we just finished the final round of the regular season. And yes, I'm very, very excited. The Titans back in the finals where they belong. Everything kind of fell into their lap, didn't it, Blaze? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. We spoke about those three key matchups uh, last week and, and then it started well for the Titans. The Raiders lost and from there, it just everything fell in their lap and, and they did the job against the Warriors. So, yeah, the Titans sneak into the eight. Yeah, i got to admit, I was nerv- I was very, very nervous on Thursday night with that Raiders-Roosters game. And we did say last week that we believe the Raiders had the best chance because of how depleted the Roosters side is looking with all their injuries. And then I think they re- ended up resting Jared Warrior Hardgraves, um, save him for the first round of the finals. But they still got the job done. They must have been pumped up from last week with the Joey Manu incident and really wanted to do it for him since he couldn't get out onto the park. But... Yeah, everything fell the Titans' way and they put on a show yesterday. But God, have we got four huge games for the first week of the finals. It starts off on Friday night, Storm against Manly, then Saturday afternoon, Roosters, Titans, Saturday night, Panthers against the South Sydney Rabbitohs, and then Sunday afternoon, Eels Knights. Now for me, match of the round is so clearly storm manly i cannot wait for this i remember and you're definitely the same when we were primary school those two were the biggest teams in the nrl and they played in the 2008 grand final and i think another one as well but they were always up there um how excited are you for that rivalry to be ignited once again in the finals yeah, it's going to be really interesting. They've had some great battles over the years and obviously Manly started pretty slow, but Tom Trevojevic has been incredible this year and, and you know, they've really done everything on the back of him and, and they're looking really good. 
Yeah, I can't believe it. Manly started the year with the second worst start to a season in NRL history behind a early 2000s Cowboys side, I believe. And now they're finished in the top four. And our mate Luke Allen's going to love this again. He gets another shout out. He actually backed Manly to get in top four, won himself a bit of dosh. So congrats to him and all the Manly fans. That is unbelievable. But you're so right. Tom Travojevic, I feel like it's almost a guarantee that Manly are going to win by almost you know 13 plus each week. And he's going to have minimum two tries. I'm starting to come around to, I think this is the greatest individual season I've ever seen. What do you think? Yeah, pretty crazy. Obviously, you know, when it comes to fullbacks, you look at those seasons from guys like Ben Barber and Jared Hayne. But I think Tom Travojevic, you know, his all-round performance, his impact on Manly's game in every aspect has been impressive. His ability to score tries and also assist. But he also takes a lot of tough carries for them out of yardage, which maybe guys in the past haven't done. So, yeah, he's been pretty incredible. And, and for that matter, their back three have been pretty incredible. I think all of them have scored over 20 tries and and they're all electric out there on the edges. 100% right. All of them, the first side to ever have three players with 20-plus tries. Ruben Garrick now has the record for most points in a regular season passing. Has a Mel Masri. But, Blaze, what is your game of the round coming up for the NRL finals? Yeah, I'm probably looking to that early game on Saturday between the Roosters and the Titans. You know, the Titans and Roosters came off huge wins last game and, and are in real red-hot form at the moment. It's going to be interesting for the Titans, I think, to see if some of their big players like Dave Fafida and Tino Fasu Malawi can really step up when it really counts and get them through to the next round. Yeah, I think that I, I do totally understand why you think that that is game of the round because the Titans arguably the best team in the league. So I totally understand that. But... Um, I mean, the Roosters are the Roosters. They're always, you could argue, besides the Storm, probably the most consistent team over the last decade. Um, I think they only had one season where they were down the bottom um, in recent times. Um, But the Titans are on an upwards trajectory since signing the two guys that you named before, Antino and and David Fafita. Um, and this is the perfect chance to see whether David Fafita was worth that a million dollars. I do think even if they lose, I still think he's worth it. But it would be good to see like, OK, what type of value are we getting out of David Fafita? If you're paying a million dollars at such a young age and is he actually able to take him to the next step? Because it would be such a successful season if they can get past this Roosters side and be one of the final six teams. If they get through the next stage, they play the loser of Storm and Manly. And we I th- we both know that the Titans will then go straight through to a prelim. Um, but no, they obviously probably won't make it any further than that. It's probably the same fate for the Roosters. Um, but I think it will be a tight one because they met midway through the season and it was decided by Sam Walker field goal in a really tight one. So that is looking like a huge matchup but I think the biggest storyline to follow and I guess we'll find out either tomorrow or Wednesday when the team is announced uh, if you're listening to this on Monday it'll probably come out on Tuesday or Wednesday the team list the Storm have one of the biggest lineup dilemmas of all time on their hands when when you're looking at the fullback and utility role with uh, Pappenhausen 
going up against Nico Hines, battling for that fullback position, Blaze. We spoke about this weeks ago, and we said that Pappenhausen should be the fullback and Nico Hines could move into the centres. Now I'm thinking against that, and I'm thinking maybe Pappenhausen misses out altogether and Hines goes into that fullback role because the Storm really haven't looked the same over the past month since Pappenhausen returned from that concussion problem and that neck issue. I want to hear your take. Who have you got and what do you think the Storm will end up uh, deciding? Yeah, I think the first first probably thing to say is I probably wouldn't have both of them in there. I think there's a bit of a discussion to have, you know, Grant and either Pappenhausen and Hines on the bench and carry them all. But I think you've got to choose one or the other. And, and for me, I'd probably go the opposite. I'd have Pappenhausen still in there. I thought he was really impressive on the weekend. And, you know, although Hines has been really good, I think Pappenhausen's been there and done that. And you know, runs on the board is definitely something that I think Craig Bellamy will look towards. And, yeah, I think Pappenhausen will get the nod there at the number one jersey. But surely if Nico Hines gets dropped, that is the stiffest call of all time because outside of probably Tom Travojevic, maybe James Tedesco, um, Nico Hines has been a top three fullback in the NRL this year. He's been unbelievable. When Pappenhausen went down, we all thought, okay, well, they lost Smith at the start of this year. Now they've lost their Clive Churchill medalist. They, they might end up dropping a bit. And Nico Hines, you could argue, elevated the way they played. He was a part of all those 40-plus wins that they had, their record-breaking um, season. And now he misses out. In my opinion, what they need to do is they've got Pappenhausen's, they've got Pappenhausen for years to come. You've got Hines for just this finals period before he goes to the Sharks. Use him to win a premiership because he is the more informed player. I do believe that like at their best, Pappenhausen is, is the better player, but Pappenhausen isn't at his best. So you've got to go off right now. And I'm going Hines. Even though Pappenhausen had a hat-trick on the weekend, it was good to see him hit that form that you just spoke about. I'm still going Hines for those reasons. But, mate, let's have our predictions before we move on to analysing the second round of the AFL finals. Storm Manly, who have you got? You know, I'd love to see Manly get a win just because of how their season's gone. But, yeah, I think the Storm will be too strong in that one and, and we'll get the week off. Here's my take. I want Storm to win as well. Um, but I think if they choose Pappenhausen, I think Manly might upset them. I think Manly, you could argue, are hungrier than them at the moment. Um, not to say the Storm aren't hungry, but, you know, it's been a while since Manly have been to the top. I think 2011 was their last premiership. So they're going to want uh, a nice week off and get themselves into the prelim. Um, so I, I'm going Manly, and I think Tom Travojevic, he kind of saved himself when they met a few weeks ago, and I think he's really going to have a huge game. Roosters-Titans. Yeah, we spoke about this one earlier. Should be a real close game, but I think, as we, as you said, I think the Roosters might just be a little too strong and have a bit too much experience for the Titans in this one. I'm going the Titans. Like, if you have such a young side like that, like the Titans have, and they're full of energy and you're coming up against a quite a, not a B-grade Rooster side, but it's not the roster that they thought they'd have at the start of the year, and you're coming off a 44-point win... I think you've got a lot of confidence there and I think they'll get the job done. And then I guess we'll uh, see from the next week whether they can go any further. Panthers-Souths. 
Yeah, another close one, but I think Brian Toto is a huge inclusion for the Panthers and they've been on an upward trajectory the last few weeks. So I think the Panthers will get the job done there. I do think the Panthers are going to win. I do not think it'll be close. I think the Panthers might blow them out by about 20, in my opinion. I, I know finals games are usually a lot closer, um, but I think the Panthers, like Manly, are quite hungry, and I think they've learnt from last year. So that'll be a great matchup in the final one of the weekend, Eels-Knights. Yeah, probably the forgotten matchup, I'd say, out of these four. But uh, I think the Eels... You know, they've come in the higher-ranked team and, yeah, I think they have enough talent there to, to get the win. But anyway, we move on to our second topic. And, man, we had two very interesting games over the weekend of AFL with Geelong and GWS on Friday and the Lions and the Dogs on Saturday. Now, we'll start off with the first game on Friday night, Geelong getting the job done, 103-68. to 68. They were just too experienced, in my opinion. They were very clean with their disposals with an efficiency rate of about 75%, 75% compared to just the 67 from GWS. What was your uh, key takeaways from this matchup? Yeah, I think Geelong really bounced back well from their, their first-round loss. And, you know, Tom Hawkins had five and also 19 possessions, which six above his season average. So he really impacted the game both on the scoreboard, but just around the ground. And when you have a big key forward that's, that's really going well, it can be really, really damaging. And, and you look at the scoreboard, those five goals will almost cover the difference there. I mean, that's what any every team wants to see when you have your key forward playing well. It's amazing. You know, we had body firing in that game against GWS. Obviously, the Swans weren't able to get the job done, but it's arguably the most important part on the field is to have your key forward absolutely firing and to kick five, the confidence that he'll take into that matchup against the D's on Friday night must be out of this world. Um, but the Lions-Dogs game, in my opinion, was one of the most entertaining finals games I have ever seen. It was a roller coaster watching it because there were periods where the lines were up a lot and the dogs came back and it was just this back and forth game. But mate, how about the finish to that one? Pretty stressful, even though I wasn't backing any side because, you know, Swans fan through and through, but what did you think of that matchup? Did you, do you agree? Do you think it was one of the most entertaining games we've seen in a while? Yeah, definitely. You know, it was really even throughout both teams, struggled to really kick away and, and both teams probably were a bit inaccurate with their scoring. You know, you look at the score breakdown, it was 11 goals, goals 12 to 11 goals 13. So both teams didn't have their best days with the kicking boot and it just made for an incredibly tight finish. And, you know, right at the end there, Brisbane had a chance. You know, Charlie Cameron was one-on-one -on -one in the 50. The ball got socket in there and I thought he was going to break away and, and maybe kick a goal and win his side of the game. But it wasn't to be, and the Dogs, you know, continue their run through the finals. Yeah, you got to give credit to that Dogs defender one-on-one. -on -one. Can't remember who it was, but uh, to force the ball dead was huge because you don't want a one-on-one -on -one in just broken play with Charlie Cameron having the ball. You know, he learned from one of the best, you know, solo performers, which was Eddie Betts, when they uh, shared time there at the Crows. Uh I just wanted it to be, you know, a, a, an amazing story. So when it went inside 50, I was like, come on, 
bounce up into Charlie Cameron's lap and just find a way to snag a goal here. Um, but I think there was still a story within it, even though it wasn't that fairy tale ending for the Lions and again bounced out in back-to-back games in the finals. The final two minutes when the, the Lions' Ruckman McInerney gave away that blocking free in the ruck off the bounce, just decided, yeah, I'm not going to jump for this. I did a bit of rucking, wasn't very good, but I know that that's not something you do because why would you give away a free with such little time on the clock? Were you as baffled as I was watching that? Yeah, I'm not sure what was going through the head there. Maybe it was fatigue. Maybe he just felt the last few minutes, you know, the refs weren't going to pick up on something and and he thought he could get away with one there. But, yeah, unfortunately, you know, it had a big impact because it allowed... Uh, the dogs to, to kind of clear it out of that that real danger area and, and they got the win. Yeah, and they got the behind straight off it, which is heartbreaking. And, you know, without that, maybe we would have headed to extra time or maybe the Lions would have won or maybe, who knows, endless possibilities if, if he jumps up. I'm not saying that it's solely McInerney's fault. It's not at all. But it was one of those moments where all the attention – and, and this is on that contest, all the eyes are now really pinned on the game because you can get lost sometimes in the crowd or watching it at home if it's not like 78-78. Like everyone's watching it then. A little bit open, people are just in and out of the game. But to make a mistake when everyone's watching, I just I feel, I feel bad for him. But at the same time, you're probably right. It might have just been a fatigue error. Um, but anyway, he'll have the whole preseason to work on that. <laughs> um, uh, but we'll talk about the prelim games this weekend. D's Geelong. I can't wait for this game. Who do you reckon's getting up? Yeah, as you say, it's going to be a real blockbuster there. And, and you know, I've actually got Geelong winning. I've been talking all throughout the final series about their list on paper. You know, they probably have the most stacked side. And, and I think some of their big stars are starting to come through and, in a real big game like this, I think some of them are going to stand up and, and get the cats over the line. I'm going Demons every day of the week. And I actually think, I, mean, I think the Demons are winning the Premiership this year. Um, they're just clicking. I, I just, I love when you see a team, they have, they're not playing the same type of footy, but they have shades of Richmond in them where like when Richmond throughout their, three premierships, they were just all on the same page working for each other. There was those role players that were starting to elevate themselves into almost superstars. And that's what we're seeing from the Demons. You know, the last few years, we knew Clayton Oliver was good. We knew Christian Petrarca was good. But now we're like, oh, they're Brownlow contenders. Like, they are. Clayton Oliver especially. Um, so I do understand your point about Geelong with their stack lineup, but mate, they're all getting up towards that thirty. They're like, they're the they're the Lakers of the of the AFL, some might say. Um, whereas the Demons, they're a lot younger. Um, so I've got the Demons winning that one. But how about Port Adelaide against the Western Bulldogs in Adelaide? Who wins that one? Yeah, I think Port will get it done there. You know, the week off, I think, will be really beneficial for them. And, and the home ground advantage we saw in week one of the finals was a real huge, huge impact on the game. So, 
I think Port will get it done and, yeah, move on to the grand final. Yeah, I'm sure the week off will do them wonders. And obviously, we spoke about it last week, uh, that home ground advantage at the Adelaide Oval is going to be huge for them. But I'm going the Bulldogs. And I hate to say that because they have caused one of the darkest days in Swans history, being them in that 2016 grand final. But I can just see them getting the job done. I can just see things falling their way. It is crucial that Bontempelli is healthy because obviously he missed the final few minutes of that game with a leg injury, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so if he's fit and healthy, dogs are all the chance. If not, then I'm probably going to have to side with you that Port will get the job done. They've obviously really hit form running into the finals. Yeah, I'm, go- I'm going the dogs still though. Uh, but mate, oh, can't believe we're talking about this again. The Wallabies losing to the All Blacks. Third straight time this year, 38-21 to 21 in Perth at Optus Stadium. Talk us through this one, Blaze, because it's just sad to see it happening again. And, and obviously there were some big moments in that game where the Wallabies didn't capitalise. Yeah, it feels a bit same old, same old, talking about another Wallabies loss to the All Blacks, unfortunately. And another one where, you know, they've, they create a lot of opportunities for themselves, but just don't quite have the patience or finishing touches to, to really turn those chances into, into points. And, you know, when you play the All Blacks, it's a cliche, but you've got to, you've got to nail all those opportunities and come away with points. So obviously, Geordie Barrett red carded in the 28th minute. So the rules now in rugby union, it's uh, that player's sent off for the whole game, but you can make a sub after 20 minutes. But, you know, the Wallabies weren't able to score in that 20-minute period and, and that really, I think, stunted their, their momentum throughout the rest of the game. I think it definitely did because you have a look at some of the stats from the game. You know, they weren't completely outdone. They had more metres, more carries. Uh, they beat more defenders than the All Blacks. But it purely came down to who could capitalise when given the opportunity. And it, and it felt like, and you'll be better at explaining this than I will, but it felt like they just capitalised off all the errors that the Wallabies made, whether it was a penalty or an error. They were just able to just go down and score straight after it. Is there an issue with the Wallabies' defence or is it more just a mental thing as a, as a team? Yeah, I... Oh, it's hard to say, you know, is there an issue with defence? Definitely, you know, you look at the tries, at least three of them come from Wallabies turnovers and that's obviously the hardest hardest kind of area of defence is where you're a bit unstructured and, you know, the All Blacks have such great skill and speed throughout their lineup that they're able to capitalise. We might get a bit of better indication of where the Wallabies are at in the next few weeks uh, with their games against South Africa and Argentina coming up. Well, it looks like... Much needs to be changed uh, with the Wallabies, but we'll move on to our final topic of the day. And I think this is very, very interesting. Ben Simmons, he is acting out a little bit in the States, wanting to get out of Philadelphia. Obviously, Simmons is coming off the back of a playoff series that's being spoken about over and over again. And we don't want to hammer on too much about it, but Obviously, he averaged uh, just under 10 points in their series against Atlanta, which they lost to in seven games and just under 12 throughout the playoffs. 
Even his coach, Joel Embiid, his teammate, they weren't really happy with his performance straight after the game in their post-match press conference. But since then, we've seen a a few days ago, Joel Embiid tweet out that he wanted Ben Simmons to stay in Philadelphia and continue uh, their partnership. But it just looks like that is the last thing Ben Simmons wants. and, And reportedly, him and his team are saying that he will not be coming to the 76ers training camp and is basically trying to get himself traded out of there by doing everything possible um, to put them offside. What do you make of this? Is this the right way for Ben Simmons to go about it or, or what would you do in that situation? Yeah, I think firstly, you know, when you look at the numbers, you know, that you just see how different a beast the NBA is. You know, it could be fined up to $1.3 million for skipping the training camp. And, and, you know, he said that he's willing to, I guess, cop that on the chin. So that shows, you know, how much of a different market that is over there. You know, in terms of the trade, I think it might be good for both parties for Simmons to get to a different environment and, you know, he's been at the Sixers since he's come into the league and, you know, they've had a big thing there. They had the, the trust, the process, kind of rebuild uh, kind of campaign and, and it didn't go well. And I think, you know, every time, if he's on the Sixers, every time they get into a big game, there's going to be so much scrutiny on those guys to perform. And, you know, if they're slightly off, it's going to come completely down on those guys, you know, Simmons and Embiid. So I think for both parties, it might be good to just get into a new environment and, and really trying to break out of that mold and, and see if you can thrive thrive somewhere else. I do agree. I do think it would be mainly beneficial for Ben Simmons to get out of Philadelphia because when you're copying that, the hate, I even saw some Philadelphian news, so like their version of nine or seven news or whatever, had a picture of a trash can, the big trash can getting washed down in one of the floods in America at the moment and saying, oh, we see Ben Simmons hurriedly getting out of Philadelphia. And they were they showed it on the news of just a trash can getting taken out in this flood water. Um, and, you know, so the, so the community doesn't even want him there because whether that's because of the performance or now it's tied in with the, with the way that he's behaving, um, it's probably good for him to get out of there. But for the 76ers, his trade value is, is as low as it's ever been. So, like, they're not going to get exactly what they want. They're asking for basically at the moment a package that was similar to the James Harden one earlier in the previous season where you get plenty of draft picks and about three or four players and you do what you please with the rest of that, whether you want to ship them out to other places. But, yeah, for Simmons, he definitely needs to get out of there. And at the moment, the Portland Trailblazers are the leaders to sign him. There hasn't been anything formal put out there, but it seems like that's the best-case scenario because Trailblazers have uh, things that they can trade. And and a person that's been brought up is uh, their shooting guard, CJ McCollum, could be possibly traded in a package, including other stuff. But that's just the one player that's been singled out at the moment. Um, But other possible places are Minnesota, Sacramento, and the Golden State Warriors. I want to hear your thoughts on this. People are saying that the Golden State Warriors are hesitant to pull the trigger to make this move. They do have the pieces. They have Wiggins and a few others that they could make for Simmons. Um, But people are saying that Simmons and Draymond Green couldn't work together. Do you agree with that or disagree? I actually think the Warriors would be a pretty good spot for Simmons just because I'm looking towards the, the, 
their uh, backcourt, sorry, you see they've got such great shooting options that all of a sudden the pressure on Simmons to shoot the ball is so much less that he can focus on the things that he's really good at. And I think we've seen in the past, you know, when big players get together, they work together and they get it done to, to get that overall goal of winning the championship. And I think Draymond Green's shown that he's willing to do that in the past. But think about what they'll be able to do defensively because you're 100% right. That whole pressure of Simmons, you need to shoot threes. Like, it's like you've got two of the top five best three-point shooters of all time behind you in Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Actually, repping a Curry jersey at the moment. Um, but for Simmons, like him and Draymond Green, like you'd be terrified going up against Golden State because you go like, how do you stop them offensively and how do you score against them? Because they've got, you know, two of the best defenders in the league. Ben Simmons finished second in the Defensive Player of the Year voting just this season gone. So I think it would be perfect. So, I mean, I don't really mind where he ends up, but it would be interesting to see the Warriors who are already kind of championship calibre take that step back up to when they had Kevin Durant. Not saying that Ben Simmons is Kevin Durant, but um, he brings something different that elevates their game. So that would be very interesting. But anyway, that does us for episode 16. So much we went through, Blaze. We spoke about the matchups that we excited for this weekend, ones that weren't so exciting, Eels Parramatta, uh, sorry, Eels Knights, namely, uh, what's out of the AFL and the NRL, what is the game that you will not miss no matter what? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the the Demons versus Geelong game, you know, that first, first semi-final in the AFL. I think it could be a really good game and I think the winner of that might might just win the whole thing. So that's a really big game for me this week. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. For myself, it's the Titans game. Just because I'm a Titans fan and it's been a while since we've been to the finals, I'm quite excited to see them play the Roosters and we're definitely a chance. We may not win it, but we're definitely, uh, if we play right, we should be able to win that one. But outside of my bias, it's definitely Storm Manly. I cannot wait for that. So it looks like we'll be on different channels on Friday night for sure. Um, But oh well, that's how it is. But anyway, guys, thank you for listening again. We had a lot of fun this week. If you'd like to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, just put in the handle T underscore practice drill. And we're keeping you up to date on all things NRL, AFL, rugby union, cricket, and NBA basketball. Until next week, have a good one and enjoy all of the fantastic sport this weekend.